Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to Elemental Oven Podcast. On today's episode, I'll be answering some questions pulled from Instagram, covering topics such as cannabis and if it has any benefits for sleep, eating late at night and why it's bad, what's the difference between prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes, my favorite bone broth recipe, who my favorite podcaster is, and much more. As always, I'm your host, Evan Roberts, and on this show, I break down health topics from a holistic and simplified perspective to make health information accessible for all. And as mentioned earlier, I am going to be answering some questions pulled from Instagram. If you uh, have any questions yourself, because these are also questions from uh, listeners, so if you as a listener have any questions that you want to hear answered on this show or um, maybe just a quick direct message response, um, then please go ahead and reach out to me on Instagram. That's mainly where uh, I do a lot of, you know, my social media posting as well as, uh, you know, asking questions like this. So feel free to follow me on there. Um, I'm at Elemental Evan, pretty much Elemental Evan across the board. Uh, YouTube, Instagram are pretty much the two main ones that I use. So those would be the best places to reach out. Um, and aside from that, I'm super excited to answer some of these questions because uh, I haven't really done too many episodes like this, and it's always fun for me, and it's fun for me to connect with a lot of the people uh, who listen to this show frequently. So first off, I just want to say a huge thank you to uh, a couple people who uh, specifically had some really cool questions that they put into uh, the, the question box. And the first person, and I'll just be using their uh, Instagram handles here, but it's uh, Crash Indigo. Crash, appreciate you, man. Um, Lemurian Moonlight and also Humble Hasher. Uh, thank you both very much for your input. I really appreciate it. And honestly, just thank you all for tuning in and for putting in some of your uh, questions and for interacting with me here on the show. So really appreciate that. And uh, let's go ahead and jump into the topics. I'm super excited for them. By the way, I really didn't like rehearse for any of these. So if I'm not able to answer them, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I will go ahead and reach out to you personally and uh, send you maybe like a more direct and uh, like scientifically backed response, I would say. Um, I'm really just going to kind of be going off the top of my head for a lot of these questions. Uh, I have seen them already, so I do have that in my head, but um, I haven't done any additional research. So uh, once again, if I kind of come short on a couple of these answers, I'm sorry, I apologize, but I'll reach out to you and get those answered specifically. But the first question, and we're getting straight into it, is going to be, they say smoking weed might negatively affect my sleeping patterns, but I actually find it easier to stay asleep after smoking. So what's the truth? That's an excellent question, and I think it's a question that a lot of people have because for people who have any experience with cannabis, they probably have recognized the fact that it does have a very sedative effect on you, um, probably depending on the strain and the setting and all of that stuff. Uh, that can probably play a pretty big role as well. But when it comes to using cannabis for sleep, um, I'm going to first just kind of give you a direct answer, and then I'm going to really expand on it because I think there's multiple parts to this. But the very first like answer I would give to this is I think that cannabis is very effective short term for people who have things like insomnia, but it is a not effective or a bad idea to use it long term in trying to get better sleep. So that's going to be the short hand answer to this question. Um, now I'm going to really dive into it. So first off, 
when it comes to insomnia, for example, or people who just have a really difficult time getting to sleep, it does seem that cannabis does help a lot of people with getting to sleep. However, staying asleep is a whole different topic and um, people seem to have different uh, kind of opinions on that. So there's a lot of variance there. Also, when it comes to a lot of, at least I've only seen a couple studies, but the couple of studies that I have seen with cannabis and sleeping, um, they're not, I don't feel like they're really conclusive. Like there's not really a great answer out of any of them, at least out of the ones that I've read and I've only read a couple, but it was really like they said that there was a lot of opinions coming from, or there, yeah, there, there was a lot of the people conducting the test, sorry, the people conducting the test were um, unable to get really truthful answers from the participants, essentially. Like, they couldn't tell if it was just because they enjoyed smoking and they were a big advocate for it. And, you know, they really wanted to uh, promote cannabis for, you know, sleep and all these different things, or if they were just totally against it and they hated cannabis and, you know, they didn't want to see it like succeed. So they said there was a lot of opinion bias kind of in there. Um, so once again, just really like, the, I think there needs to be a lot more studies done on this so that we can really see um, what it's actually doing, if it's beneficial, all of that good stuff. So realistically, I think, in my opinion, if you're looking to have better sleep, there are a lot of other things that you can do to improve your sleep and actually have sustainable good sleep for the rest of your life. Um, but for example, if you do deal with like serious insomnia and things like that, and I don't know, you had to go have a meeting with some massive clients the next day, right? And you like absolutely needed some good sleep. Okay, maybe it's an okay time to use that. Um, but I would say for the long term, especially when it comes to... Um, the issues with health and cannabis, uh, especially depending on the way in which you're consuming cannabis. Um, yeah, probably not the best idea to use it for sleep. Now, if you were to use it for things like alleviating pain or increasing your um, appetite, you know, for especially people who are dealing with like chemotherapy or something along those lines, excellent tool. Um, at, at least I've seen people who have had a lot of success with it. Um, in those kind of situations. And if you're using rec recreationally, then of course it's like, you know, um, I think dose is probably the poison and um, less is probably better for you. If you're smoking all the time, obviously not a good thing. Um, if you smoke maybe once a year or very occasionally, probably not a big issue. And if you don't smoke at all, then that's probably the best thing. Um, but of course it's like with alcohol and cannabis, um, people enjoy altering their minds and stuff. And so, do you, but just be safe and be careful and understand the health impacts of it. Um, but the last kind of point that I want to put on this topic of cannabis and sleep is really, I would be super interested to see someone with an aura ring um, tracking themselves over a period of time. And I don't have my aura ring any longer. I'm trying to get another one soon. Um, but I would love to see the sleep data on someone who does like a month of no smoking and just seeing what their sleep schedule is like, trying to hold as many things as consistent as possible. And then obviously introducing cannabis and then trying to see what uh, the kind of sleep is that they're getting while smoking cannabis. So um, yeah, the short answer to that is no, I don't think it's really the best thing to do for getting to sleep because I do see people having issues down the road where um, if they stop smoking, they actually have a harder time going to bed. And I just don't think it's a very sustainable route. I think that you could do things like 
getting up early in the day, getting out, getting sunlight on your skin, um, you know, going for a brisk walk. This can really help to set the circadian rhythm, trying to keep a consistent sleep schedule, right? Going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, um, really trying to avoid a lot of blue light exposure at nighttime. Uh, you know, being on your screen too much can really get your body up and going and especially the blue light going into the eyes, it can be hard to go to sleep. So using like blue blue blocking glasses or something along those lines could also help. Um, and then also just not eating too close to bedtime. That can also be really beneficial for uh, getting good sleep. So once again, I think there's just a lot of different things that we can do to get good sleep without having to um, rely on cannabis for getting good sleep. So yeah, <laughs> once again, um, yeah, you probably find it really easy to fall asleep as most people do. But I would say that down the line, it's probably going to be one of those things that it might start to lose its effect in helping you to get to sleep. And then as well, you're probably not getting the best types of sleep when you're uh, when you're uh, consuming cannabis. Sorry, I thought I was going to be done with this question, but there's more to this. So um, yeah, actually, that would be another thing too, is when you, I, I think with drinking alcohol, there's a similar, uh, I think there's might be a similar effect here. And I'm, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I know with when you're consuming alcohol, um, it makes it difficult for you to get into certain types of sleep, like uh, REM and deep sleep, which is, are really beneficial forms of sleep or types of sleep. And so I'm not 100% sure on this, but it could be that cannabis is also keeping you from getting into deep sleeps, right? It could, or REM sleep, it could be helping you to go unconscious, uh, quote unquote, right? Like you're laying down and you look like you're asleep, but you might just be in a very light sleep and uh, you're not actually in these deep and REM sleeps where you're receiving a ton of the benefit, like, you know, muscle repair and um, memory consolidation and things for your brain. So, okay, I think that's going to do it. Um, hopefully that kind of answer, uh, answers it. I know I went all kind of over the place with that one, but uh, yeah, I think smoking can be a tool to get to bed, but it shouldn't be relied on. I think we should use other things that can be much more sustainable and healthy as well uh, for getting better sleep. Okay, let's move on to number two, or else we're going to be here like all day long. Um, number two is why is it bad to eat right before bed? Also a really great question and uh, also deals with the sleep, which is a huge topic and uh, really an important aspect of health as well. So when it comes to eating, once again, I think if you have like an aura ring, by the way, sorry, if you don't know what an aura ring is, an aura ring is a sleep tracker and uh, a very accurate one at that, at least from when I was using it, I feel that it was extremely accurate. Uh, and yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I know people have Fitbits and those do track your sleep as well, but they seem to not do a very good job. Whereas the aura ring is very, very specific and, and gets it down to like, like the minute. So um, if you had an aura ring and you were to stop eating any food at all and drinks, right? Like nothing with calories at all, except maybe if you had like a nighttime tea or, or water. Um, if you were to do that one night and look at your sleep as opposed to eating a meal like 30 minutes before going to bed, you would really notice once again, that your body would probably, for one, have maybe an elevated heart rate. Um, it would be harder for you to get into the deeper cycles of sleep that you're looking for, like REM and deep sleep. And 
Uh, why this is, is probably just because you're activating your digestive system. And um, I believe there could be a spike in cortisol with that. Don't quote me on that one. Um, but basically, you're activating your digestive system and your body is now in a state of work. And when you go to sleep, it's just going to make it a lot harder to get into the proper types of sleep that you're really looking for. This is one of the things that I did notice with my aura ring when I had it. Um, and that was really cool to see is whenever I had meals, even like an hour before bedtime, uh, especially if they were like a pretty heavy meal, it always affected my sleep every, every single time. And then the days where I stopped like two or three or four hours before bedtime, it was like getting into the deep and the REM sleep was effortless, pretty easy to do it. Um, almost never an issue um, unless I was doing other things like being stupid and staying up late watching TV or something like that. Um, that could always alter it. But if I was just really, really good and I didn't, you know, watch a ton of TV right before bed, um, I turn off the lights at a good time or at least dimmed them and wore some blue blocking glasses uh, and stopped eating before bed, I usually would get just rock star levels on my aura ring in my sleep. So, um, yeah, in terms of why eating is so bad for you before bed, it would mainly be that. Um, also, it's an easy way to put on weight um, when you eat late at night. Like if you kind of think about this, your body, especially if you're eating like foods that are really high in sugars or carbs, like your body doesn't have the time to now really process those. So you're going to sleep with all this food in your stomach. And yeah, it's just not a good recipe, right? Like it can really give you stomach issues. Um, like I said, it's a really great way to put on weight because when you eat a meal, likely, let's say you eat lunch, you have to go back to work or you have to go do something, right? So your body is active, you're physical, you're um, giving the energy that you just consumed in the form of food a place to go and a way to be used. Whereas when you do that right before bedtime, um, yeah, it's just sitting there and it's not getting put to use. So uh, it's really bad for you because it's going to keep you from getting the proper type of sleep that you want. It's probably going to make you gain weight. And um, yeah, it can also give you some really bad stomach issues, which we definitely don't want. So um, eating super late at night, not a good idea. Also, sorry, I forgot this one. It can also cause um, acid reflux eating too late at night. Um, I know a lot of people who eat massive meals at nighttime and they end up having serious acid reflux and it can actually wake them up while they're sleeping. Um, definitely something you want to watch out for. And that's kind of a whole other topic, so I won't go into it. Uh, but yeah, not a good idea to eat before bedtime. 100% try to give yourself at least like two hours before bedtime uh, where you're not consuming any food, right? And so that's basically just anything with calories. So if you're having like water or a nighttime tea, obviously no caffeine in it, um, but just something with like zero or less than like five calories, probably going to be okay for you to have, um, but you definitely don't want to be eating any food. So that's going to be number two. Uh, number three, does tequila help to break a fever when someone has a cold? Fun fact, um, and this is coming from someone who is a health person, <laughs> Tequila is actually one of my favorite alcohols. Um, I'm not a big alcohol drinker, but of the hard alcohols, I actually do like tequila. However, tequila for breaking a fever when someone has a cold, I have no idea, but I'm probably going to say that's not true. Um, just anytime I see a hard alcohol with some kind of a 
cure for a sickness or whatever. I'm super skeptical of it. Um, to me, a lot of times it feels very like, I don't know, like I kind of like a wives tale or something like that, you know, where um, it's just kind of like a, I, I don't know. I, I've seen it with a few different things, a few different alcohols, um, you know, for sore throats. Uh, I've even seen one with tequila and I can't even remember what the other protocol was with it, but actually for fighting cancer, which I really just don't think is true at all. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is because alcohol at the end of the day is truly a toxin, right? I mean, it's something our body has to process and get out of us. And it just pretty much seems like it doesn't have any benefit for us aside from allowing us to kind of let loose and, and have a crazy night. Uh, but aside from that, it doesn't seem like it has any real health benefits. So in terms of breaking a fever, I have no idea. Maybe it could, maybe it could break a fever. Um, but it's probably going to do more harm than good in terms of getting over that cold. Um, and actually when we look at what a fever is, a fever is just our body's response to a typically a virus or, you know, some kind of a infection, uh, pathogen, right? And it's our body's response to that virus, let's say, uh, by creating an environment that is no longer hospitable for that virus to live in and reproduce in. So when it, your body has a fever, you're heating up the temperature and it's basically cooking out the virus and making it so that it can no longer live in that environment because it's too hot for it. Um, so that is really just a response of your body and it's something that's supernatural. And I actually would argue that maybe we shouldn't be breaking our fevers, uh, but rather allowing them to play their role. Now, of course, I need to caveat this that I'm not a medical professional. And of course, if you have a super high fever, um, there can be issues with that. And so, you know, like go with what your medical doctor would say. Uh, but in general, just a normal fever um, that is running its course can actually do you a benefit, right? Like it's trying to get rid of this virus that is infecting your body. Um, so typically when I have a fever, I will support it. I'll let it run its course. I won't try to break it. Sometimes I'll even hop in a like a hot bath with uh, some Epsom salt and stuff and really try to allow the fever to run its course and do what it came to do. Um, because it's literally your body, one of your body's first defenses, right? It's, or maybe not the first defense, but it's an innate defense of your body. Um, and it's a response to some infection. So if you have a cold or a fever or something like that, I would, you know, and once again, this is just my opinion and recommendation, but I would recommend maybe letting it run its course as long as it's not getting out of hand. Um, and probably don't use tequila to break the fever. Um, yeah probably going to be not the best way to break a fever. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe tequila is the answer and I'm just completely lost and we should be doing shots here. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, anyways, I love that question and I, I've never been asked that before, so that's really cool. And um, yeah, just in general, typically when it comes to alcohol and um, benefit for us in terms of health, Usually it's not a benefit unless maybe it's an alcohol tincture of a functional mushroom <laughs> because uh, obviously those are of benefit. But anyways, yeah, tequila, great for parties, probably not for breaking your fever. Okay, next question on the list is why does alcohol affect my sleep quality? Um, I kind of mentioned this in the smoking cannabis um, question, but... Once again, with 
consuming alcohol late at night, the reason it's going to mess with your sleep quality is it's going to make it hard for you to get into those really beneficial uh, stages of sleep. Not to say that light sleep is not beneficial, but we really do want our REM and our deep sleep because once again, that is where, you know, that memory consolidation, um, the muscle repair and the cleaning of the brain, all that good stuff is going to happen um, in the deeper stages of sleep. So we really want to make sure we're getting into those stages of sleep. And if you're consuming alcohol late at night, uh, close to when you're going to bed, it's going to be difficult for you to get into those stages of sleep. It's going to inhibit you from getting into those stages of sleep. So um, whereas let's say you have eight hours of sleep during the night, um, you might not be able to get into those REM and deep sleep stages uh, for two or three or four hours into um, being unconscious or being asleep, right? So that's definitely going to be an issue. Um, I don't know specifically why it is that it does that. Um, I'm guessing that it has something to do with our body you know, when you're consuming alcohol that late at night, like your body, your digestive system is working, your liver obviously is working very, very, very hard to process um, the toxins from the alcohol. So that probably is going to keep you awake. And then I'm sure it's doing something to your brain as well. So um, why you're getting bad sleep quality with alcohol is definitely going to be because you're not getting into the correct stages of sleep. If you are going to consume alcohol, I would recommend um, trying to give yourself like, once again, you know, a two or three hour window uh, before going to bed uh, where you can maybe hydrate, take some spirulina and chlor actually chlorella. I would highly recommend um, chlorella and water uh, before bedtime or even before drinking any alcohol at all. The reason I'm recommending chlorella here is because it has a high level of chlorophyll, which is going to help detoxify your blood. So um, every time I know that I'm going to go have some alcohol, I will be consuming chlorella and, of course, trying to stay hydrated as well. Um, I also personally like chlorella because as opposed to chlorophyll, which typically comes in a tincture form, um, chlo chlorella tablets. So I get like energy bit tablets and chlorella has super, super high levels of uh, chlorophyll in it as well as a bunch of other stuff in it. And they're just super easy to take with me if I need to take them somewhere um, because they're literally just a dried algae. So they're very easy to like put in a container and just take with me as opposed to a liquid, which is much more difficult to carry around. Um, so that's typically why I'll, why I'll use chlorophyll or sorry, chlorella, not chlorophyll. Um, and yeah, I use the once again, the energy bits uh, chlorella, which is my absolute favorite. Um, I always link those in the description of the episodes that I post because Energy Bits is like one of my favorite companies and I love spirulina and chlorella and theirs is like the highest quality. So um, honestly, like shameless plug there, go check them out. You get 20% off as well for being a listener to the show. Uh, but back to the question. Um, yeah, I would definitely stay hydrated um, and drink chlorella. Give yourself a nice window where you're no longer consuming alcohol before you're going to bed. Um, and that should help improve your sleep. Uh, but of course, alcohol is going to have some kind of effect on our sleep. Also, um, very interesting, but alcohol, much like cannabis, can also make you tired uh, when you so like if you have just like a glass of wine, a lot of times it can have a sedative effect, which a lot of people will use for going to bed. Um, once again, I think this is just kind of a band aid approach. It's not going to create you know, good sleep or 
anything along those lines, um, it's just going to help you essentially go unconscious. So, um, yeah, just a Band-Aid, not really a effective tool for getting good sleep. Okay, next question is, what do you like most about podcasting and who is your favorite podcaster? Awesome, awesome question. Thank you for asking me a little bit of an out-of-the-box question here. Um, I love answering these as well. Um, what I like most about podcasting. I like a lot of things about podcasting. <laughs> like, I like the fact that it is a longer form um, form of content and media, right? I think with all of social media being like condensed and like the more condensed you have your videos and your formats, like the more views you're going to get because people have just such short attention spans, which don't get me wrong. It's super entertaining when you have these videos that are just crazy, 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 crazy for like 30 seconds and then boom onto the next one. Um, it's very, you know, captivating. It grabs your attention. I totally get it. But I think that you really get a lot more out of these longer form medias or contents. Um, so that's why I really love uh, podcasts because, you know, I'm able to sit here and really give you like a breakdown of what I'm thinking or my take on it, my opinion, and I don't have to worry about fitting all of this within a 30 second video. So I really like that aspect of it as well. I really like the fact that this podcast has made me do a ton of research. Um, there's a lot of topics that I'm super interested in. And this has literally made me go out of my way to do additional research, which, you know, prior to this podcast, I was already, you know, reading books and reading articles uh, on health because it's something I'm just genuinely interested in. But this is definitely like, you know, doubled down on that. So I really have been doing a lot more um, research on different health topics, which has been awesome. It's been able to increase my knowledge on the topics. And uh, yeah, while I do love that, it's also a little bit of a curse as well, because um, sometimes I have episodes that I have to get out soon and I'm having to do research and it feels like I'm back in college. Um, but nonetheless, I do still enjoy it. And uh, it's overall a really good experience. But in terms of my favorite podcaster, mm, it's a toughie. Um, I have a lot of podcasters that I really enjoy. Uh, in terms of health and wellness, I would say I really like the Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. I think that's an excellent, excellent health show. Um, I I definitely listen to that frequently. Um, Max Lugavere's is pretty good as well. I like him. And um, in terms of like mindset mentality. Uh, I've definitely been listening to Impact Theory for a long time with Tom Bilyeu, and here recently I've been listening to Modern Wisdom, Wisdom with Chris, I forget his last name, um, but it's an excellent show as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch more out there, um, you know, excellent, excellent people out there. Um, yeah, but those are probably the ones that I listen to most frequently, most frequently, I would say, um, definitely on, you know, a weekly basis for sure. And you could listen to any of those and you would absolutely enjoy them, especially if you enjoy this podcast, I think. So uh, thank you for that question. I really like that. Uh, kind of mixes it up a little bit. But yeah, that's definitely what I enjoy about podcasting and who my favorite podcasters are. Okay, uh, we got two more questions here. So let's uh, go ahead and dive into these last two. So this question is a really good one. And I like it because it's been mixed up a little bit here at the end. So 
Uh, the question is prebiotics versus probiotics versus digestive enzymes, and are they important? This is an awesome question, and usually um, instead of digestive enzymes, it's postbiotics. That's a very common question that I'll get because people get so confused by what a pre, pro, and postbiotic is. So I really like that this one is mixed up and asks about digestive enzymes. So um, in terms of prebiotics and probiotics, absolutely important, 100%. Um, I think that we would definitely do better as a society if we got more pre and probiotics and not just specifically from um, like the pill form, which is also a really great method of getting them, obviously, but actually from consuming foods that have prebiotics and probiotics. So specifically like fermented foods, um, but prebiotics and probiotics, the difference between the two is prebiotics can be thought of as the food for the bacteria, whereas probiotics are like the actual bacteria, the things that are going to help uh, out your gut. So prebiotics are going to feed the good gut bacteria and they're going to help them to thrive, to have a better population size and to essentially crowd out some of the bad bacteria, which are the ones that we don't want in there. Um, so it's creating like a good, it's, it's, it's basically feeding the good gut bacteria. That's what the prebiotics are doing. The probiotics are the beneficial bacteria that from what my understanding is, they don't actually colonize your gut. They just help out for the time being. But I think within like 48 hours, they pretty much pass through your system, which is why you have to take probiotics on a regular basis um, or eat probiotic foods on a regular basis. But yeah, so that's the difference between the two. They are absolutely beneficial. And I would highly recommend trying different probiotics and prebiotics and seeing which ones work best for you. Um, me personally, I really like the Ritual Symbiotic. It has a pre, pro, and postbiotic in it. Um, it's just one of the ones that really worked the best for me. And there was like one other probiotic that I felt a difference with, but not as much as with the Ritual. And there are two other probiotics that I do want to try. Um, one from Just Thrive as well as uh, one from, mm, drawing a blank on it. Uh, Omni, I think it's called Omni, something like that. But anyways, so um, yeah, as of right now, I'm taking the Ritual one. I really like it. Highly recommend finding a good pre and probiotic for yourself. <clears throat> um, yeah, definitely of benefit. And then in terms of digestive enzymes, that's awesome that you asked about this. I don't really talk on this very often. So um, thank you for bringing this up. But digestive enzymes... Uh, from my understanding, they are going to aid in your digestion. So when you're eating food, typically from what I've seen, digestive enzymes are taken like before you consume a meal um, and they're meant to literally help you digest whatever food you're consuming. And uh, specifically, I believe like uh, helping to assimilate the food, like actually to absorb it and uh, to use the food that you're eating uh, properly because a lot of times people might not have the best digestion. Um, for example, maybe you don't produce enough bile or um, uh, HCL or something along those lines. And so um, you're actually eating food, but you're not getting the most out of your food. So if I'm not mistaken, enzymes or digestive enzymes help to actually um, extract more out of the food and help you to break down the food. Um, so kind of just helping your digestion. Uh, I have taken a enzyme from bio optimizers or bio optimizers, whatever they're called. Um, 
I think they call it like mass enzymes. I really like it. It's a really great thing to take. I'll take it every now and again. I don't take it super often, but every time I do take it, I do notice that it makes my digestion a little bit slower, uh, which is very interesting. I have a very active digestion. Um, I go like, sorry, I'm, this is way TMI, but like I go frequently throughout the day, like a, like a couple times a day. Um, and when I take mass enzymes from bioptimizers, I might only go once a day. And um, yeah, so it definitely has an effect. But um, is it important? Should you take uh, enzyme, uh, digestive enzymes? I think that depends on the person. Like if you have really bad digestion, might be a good idea to take them so that you're um, reaping more of the benefits of the food that you're consuming. Um, but I don't know. I think it's going to be specific to each person. I don't take them all the time. I, I actually take them pretty infrequently, um, just on special occasions here or there. Maybe I should try to take it more often and just see like what happens. Uh, see if I notice a, a massive change in my digestion, but, um, that's a great question. And thank you for asking, uh, about the digestive enzymes. And I'll probably look into that actually a little bit more and reach out to you specifically and, um, yeah, let you know kind of like what my findings are on it. And maybe I'll even, like I said, maybe I'll try to take them for like a month and see what happens. So thank you. Awesome question. And uh, yeah, overall, uh, I would say they probably all three of those are important. Definitely pre and probiotics, though, are, in my opinion, very, very important. Um, and then the very last question is, do I have a favorite bone broth recipe? Um, Not really. I don't. But there is, uh, I had someone on the show and they have a bone broth recipe um, where they include like turmeric and ginger in it. And I know Dr. Axe as well has one. If I can remember, I'll put the links in the show notes. But if not, just go look up Dr. Dr. Axe, A-X-E, like a chopping axe and uh, bone broth. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Um, it looks like an interesting one because uh, turmeric and ginger are really great things to add into a bone broth. They're super anti-inflammatory. They aid digestion. So just like good things to have in there. Um, but typically, Ashley will whip up a bone broth. So she's actually the bone broth master of this household. I'm not. I'm simply the consumer of it. <laughs> um, but when we make bone broth, or rather she makes bone broth, um, it is important that you first want to cook your bones. So we will usually bake them. And then um, we add some seasoning on them as well. And then we put them into a crock pot. We uh, fill it up with water. And then we will go ahead and add a little bit of apple cider vinegar. And then we put maybe a little bit of salt or something along those lines for some seasoning. And then we just let that bad boy do its thing. <laughs> like Put it on low and let it go for a super long time. Um, hours, 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 you know. And then uh, when you take it out, yeah, you strain the bones out. And then typically what happens is there's like a layer of, I guess, fat that kind of develops on the top of the uh, bone broth. And a lot of people will typically take that out. They don't consume that. They just consume like the bulk of it, which is all the gelatinous goodness beneath it. Um, and on top of that, I really like to use bones that sometimes have maybe just like a little bit of meat and um, some bone marrow or some kind of collagen, like gelatinous uh, pieces on it because it just really makes for a thicker bone broth and um, as well if there is any meat on the bones like an oxtail bone or something like that um, it's just super tasty to eat that so that's probably like 
I, I wouldn't, yeah, I guess that's my favorite uh, bone broth recipe. It's really just the main one we do. And I, I'm sure Ashley has put ginger or turmeric in them every now and again, um, just kind of when we have it. But I think it's a great idea to add ginger and turmeric into them. Like I said, I'll try to post a uh, recipe on here, uh, a link in the description so you can check that out as well. Um, but yeah, it's usually that or honestly, if I'm just like being bougie or I don't feel we don't feel like making any bone broth. Um, yeah, we will. We'll go to Erewhon and spend a premium price on some very delicious bone broth uh, from Erewhon. So, um, yeah, that's usually how I do it with bone broth. I try to make it or <laughs> Ashley tries to make it at home as much as possible uh, just because it usually is a lower cost. You can get a huge amount of it. And, um, you know, what's going in there. It's just, yeah, it's all around good and it tastes delicious. It's not that difficult to make. I will say, however, um, we do try to get really like, you know, grass fed, grass finished bones. And, um, it seems like most places have caught on to the bone broth trend. So bones that used to be like a couple dollars a pound are now like $10 a pound, which is ridiculous and kind of annoys me. Um, but anytime I come across some really good grass fed, grass finished bones that are not super expensive, I will typically buy them up and then we'll make some bone broth out of it because bone broth is incredible for your health and for your digestion. Um, highly, highly recommend trying some bone broth. So, uh, yeah, I will try to post that. And, um, once again, I'll try to also reach out to you personally and just shoot over the, uh, the recipe. So, uh, anyways, that is, I think yeah oh that's all of them okay so i made a really long episode out of a few questions um sorry if it was a little too long but i hope you guys enjoyed it uh, i definitely enjoyed answering these and i will probably be doing more of these episodes in the future because i just i don't know i enjoy it and i think that you know a lot of people have questions and this kind of just puts it into a simple format so hopefully you found some benefit in this and um if you like this show feel free to reach out and let me know on Instagram. Um, you guys know the deal. Go ahead and uh, subscribe to whatever platform it is that you're listening to this on. I'll probably have this one uh, up on YouTube, so feel free to check out the video format of this. And uh, please leave a rating or a review or both on whatever platform you're on. I think uh, Apple and Spotify allow you to do so. I do read all of the uh, reviews that you guys leave and check out all the ratings, so please feel free to leave one. It also helps people to find this show easier and to just spread this message and also feel free to share this episode with friends, family, loved ones, anyone who could benefit from it. Uh, feel free to share this in a story on your socials and please tag me of course. And uh, yeah, just don't be a stranger. Reach out. Let me know if you guys have questions. Um, let me know if you enjoy this episode and uh, check out the description for any of the sponsors and affiliates. There's some really awesome uh, products going on in there. And I think, uh, you all would enjoy them as much as I have as well. So that's going to do it for today. Um, you know, the motto of this show, it's do everything with good intentions and connect to your elements and, uh, yeah, sending y'all love. I hope you guys enjoyed and thank you very much for tuning in. I'll see you on next week's episode. Have a good one. Peace. This podcast is for educational purposes only. 
It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. Evan Roberts is not a medical professional, and this podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Statements and views expressed on this show are not medical advice. This podcast, including Evan Roberts and any guests on the show, disclaims responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in this episode. If you think you have a medical problem, please consult a medical professional.